the people's poison episode six today we've got a good friend a long time old friend honestly probably one of my oldest drew smith who many of you probably know but drew i'll let you uh tell the listeners what time of day it is right now <laughs> it's 7 30 in the morning on a sunday uh after 30 minutes of me trying to work out this whole technology wall uh yeah 7 30 on a sunday morning which is late late for me when he, i when i first asked drew to do this he he, uh, <laughs> after a little convincing, he said he was going to be nice and go easy on me and make it at seven in the morning and not six in the morning. So thank you. I appreciate that. No problem. I'm looking out for you, dog. <laughs> I appreciate you. Well, Drew, before we dive into a little bit about your bio, um, I want to see if you remember it the same way I do. When did we first meet? Um, I'm okay. Ooh, uh, I'm saying it was, I think it was fourth grade, uh, aftercare program. And it's the first time I met you. I don't think there was another time before that, but yeah, it could have been like intramurals or I think it might've just been the aftercare program, honestly. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that Gillen elementary, I came to you. So I'm from Linwood. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember what we were doing. I think you just had a squad. You had you and your dogs, Charlie, uh, Zach, um, little Zach, some other Gillen elementary people, and I was like, "Yo, I'm about to run with this crew." Wow, yeah, little said, Zach, little Zach, I know exactly. Yeah, right. I, know. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of him first. Charlie's a no-brainer, but yeah, little Zach. Uh, I um, my memory is second grade, but you got fourth grade, so that makes more sense because I don't know that I went to the aftercare in second grade, but yeah, all right. Well, we'll call it fourth yeah. grade. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll call it fourth. But, you know, this episode in particular is different than my other ones because in all the other ones, I came up with, like, this is going to be the topic. This is all we're going to talk about, and we're not going to stray away from it. And I was kind of struggling with this topic, and then it kind of hit me. For you specifically, our relationship started way back when in elementary school, playing football, playing capture the flag, playing dodgeball. And then to look at your your kind of school journey through sports, then up through college, and then finally what you do for a living, I thought you'd be the perfect person to kind of just talk about this all-encompassing sports, health and fitness, getting older. So I appreciate you for uh, doing this with me. Yeah, man, no problem at all, dog. Anything for you, Dan, honestly. Well, well then let's let's dive into it. Tell me a little bit about your day-to-day. What do you do for a living? How long have you been doing it for? And how'd you get into the business? Um. So, uh, God, I wish I even had a a strict title. Um, I just bounce around and do a lot of things for the company, but I work for Metabolic Fitness LLC. At the time, it was Phelps Gym uh, when I first started working with them, but I was a client in high school, this guy named Matt Phelps, and um, he was just doing his thing, training athletes. He was a former Sienna grad, um, and uh, I just kind of never lost touch with him, and then after I was kind of done with my football career, I just kind of wanted to get into avenue. I was kind of done with football, but I was still trying to feel things out. So he's the only kind of person I trusted to kind of help get me back into the right spot um, after my injury. Uh, and, um, yeah, then I, after I was done playing football, he's like, yo, you want to work with me? 
Now I'm like, I'm not doing anything else. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty much group training. That's the biggest thing about it. But it's, uh, it was kind of groundbreaking at the time. It was kind of consistently uh, went as the years go by. Our growth has been consistent. Um, I think, believe now we have 14 different locations. But uh, if I had to give the best elevator pitch, it's about 45 minutes to an hour of just group training, 36 people in a room, just getting after the specific routine uh, that we design ourselves, all ages, all uh, sizes, all heights. Everyone can do the same entire workout at their own level. But um, I started off as a coach, uh, basically just teaching a bunch of classes at the time when it was just me, Matt, and Lindsay kind of getting things together. And um, at the initial floor of the uh, metabolic meltdown, and then – Slowly but surely, Matt is on the way to just consistently grow the business. And now what was a small, tiny little melt, metabolic meltdown in this little, like, small uh, former diner area now has turned into a mini empire, if you will. Uh, so I just, I just direct classes, coach classes uh, at many different locations. Right now with the Clifton Park one, I started at Green Island. Um, I do a lot of other things in terms of marketing as well. Uh, yeah, just keeping community going together uh, for each location as well. But um, yeah, man, still, I can talk about this forever. I don't even know when to pinpoint all. I could just roll with it. But <laughs> when you um, when you started working with Matt, what year was that? Oh my goodness, I'm gonna say it was 20. I can never remember 2014 or maybe 2013 ish. Late 2013, I think. So when you first got, yeah. when you were first chatting about it, because I know you worked with him and I know he worked with a lot of the um, Gilgalan football players with his Phelps business. Mm -hmm. But when you first started working with Metabolic, when you were talking to him about it, did he have the vision for this empire that you guys would turn it into? Was that always the plan? Were you guys thinking you're just going to be a one location shop or were you always kind of going after it as let's just grow this thing as big as we can? I mean, honestly, I, uh, Matt, if, I, if he had to answer this question, I think he was really, really into coaching athletes because he worked with the Siena basketball team for a while. Um, he loved working with high-level athletes. His brother was a general manager for the G League team, the Pistons. Like, their whole family loves athletes. They've always worked with athletes. But I think working through athletes, I'm going to make sure I get this right, uh, he was working a lot with the LaSalle kids, LaSalle Institute in Troy, New York, and the parents there were like, hey, can you coach us? And at first he was like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I'm kind of really an athlete. So I don't really want to do this, like the parent route, whether it's moms or dads. Uh, but he said, he gave it a shot, basically. Was like, All right, I'll, I'll coach them. And he said, the best thing he did is he coached them like they were athletes, although they weren't like high level athletes at the time. You know, a lot of them middle aged, kind of in that realm, that 40s ish and he's really like athletes and i don't know if he like actually loved it at first i think he was kind of like intrigued by it but not really and then i think a very close friend of his who does very well did very well business was like you need to see this through and kind of feel it out and see where this takes it. and i was just a young kid who just got out of like the football 22 23 and i was kind of like shit i'm not doing anything else like whatever you want to do bro like we might as well so i had i myself i was like yo this is a fun job i like it it's not crazy but i knew like low-key he was not only like a really smart dude but he was a low-key psycho and he was gonna like find a way to like make the business work by any means necessary i don't think 
maybe he did. If he honestly did think he'd get this many, I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised because when he puts his mind to anything, it's like everyone washed the hell out. But yeah. um, at my time, I think that's what he appreciates most about me. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know where it was going to go. But I was just down the ride because I just trusted him. I knew he'd take care of me. Not only that, I knew he, like, had a plan, and he was, like, ruthless and relentless. So I was just like, yo, I'm here. What do you need me to do? I'm down the ride. And he just kept being like, all right, be here, teach this. And then slowly but surely, I look back 10 years ago, and I'm like, holy shit, I can't even believe this is even a thing. And there's, like, going to be more. He's going to keep going. <laughs> and, like, if I was him, I probably would have had, like, one or two and be like, I'm straight, to be honest. I thought all the time. But, uh, but yeah, he, he's um he's got a different kind of drive. So, him, he might have been like, yo, I want 100 of these things, which there could be. But at my point, like I said, I think that's what he appreciated. I was just a young kid at the time, just like, yo, what do you need? Let's ride. And you just do what you got to do, and I'll be here. Yeah, well, it's been cool to watch. Even I don't, I think even if I wasn't connected to it through you, I think as a capital region, you know, local, we all very much know the brand. And, you know, for a while, I think we we almost thought it was only, you know, us here in Green Island and Saratoga and Clifton Park. But then you start to realize how much he's really grown it. So it's been cool to watch you guys grow the business even more so. Um, you know, I don't particularly go to the classes weekly or monthly or anything, but my wife does. And Every time I end up joining a class, I even love it, which I was shocked by. I didn't think I would ever be into the group, group class thing, but it's it's so different in that it just in the moment you you feel like you have to work hard because you've got, you know, competition on your left and right. And I don't even know if that's how you guys are setting it up, but that's, you know, that's how us competitors are. It's like you, you can't that's, that's you just do you. better than that's me. Just you. <laughs> Well, anyway, not to go on the metabolic complete journey, but it's been cool to watch where you brought it and what you've done with it. And um, you working alongside of Matt, I've got to work with Matt myself a little bit. Um, and it's just an awesome business. So good for you guys. And I want to kind of take that back to your full kind of athletic sports and fitness journey. And I know you've got two children. I've got one. And something I think about is sports when they go to school. And, you know, obviously in my mind, I'm like, I want to play three sports all seasons. <laughs> but there's a lot that goes into that. And um, one, first and foremost, is, you know, making those teams. And you were a person growing up that I know you made every single team ever. I'll ask you, you know, when you think back on that school, interscholastic, whatever you call it, sport journey, you know, what were some of the things as a child that you were thinking? And I guess what were some of the things that your parents were doing to kind of guide you along that path that you took? Um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think number one, I was, I was very fortunate. My parents, um, they had enough means to basically send me places or let me go along the ride, which I know now, like financially, depending on how many kids you have and how many activities are, that can be like very costly. Um, my parents are both born and raised in Jamaica. Like my dad came when he was 16, my mom when she was uh, around the same age, 16, I think. Um, totally different accords. They didn't meet till they got here, but um, they like 
they don't know. They didn't know much about the American sport world. They knew track because that's what they do in Jamaica's run. But uh, I, I had a great network and a good school district that also had resources. So I think for me, it was just kind of being able to go to these things and kind of figuring it out on my own with different people to help me out along the way and guide me throughout. I think my parents just gave me the access to do that, uh, which was great. Um, as I got older, and like things got a little more serious. Um, I had like my godbrother, uh, Keto, who like kind of held my hand throughout the whole college experience as I started to show signs of, you know, hey, maybe this might be a thing. Uh, but I, I think there's always important to have like somebody who's been there and done that to kind of tell you how the game works and how like you get recruited, what's the most important thing to do, where's the most important places to play, uh, how do you showcase your skills. Um, and just get eyes on you. That's pretty much the biggest thing because a lot of these recruits, they had like they they have like a region, they have a section that they have to kind of um, overlook, and they they can't get everywhere at once. So if you can like, provide them the content of you doing things, if you can get in front of them, uh, it's the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing that helped me out was going to specific camps uh, after my uh, sophomore year, I think, or after my junior year of high school. Uh, and then like when I went to those camps in front of those people. And I got to play as much people. That's kind of what kind of put me over the top. Was that, that football? So, we were talking football then. Was that football camp? That that was yeah. They were all football. By then, I kind of was like, I think football is going to be the best thing for me. I still was like, I went to like a Yale basketball camp, which I played like really well at. And then the coach even was like, Yo, I kind of want to recruit you, but like I hear you're really good at football. And I was like, Yeah, you're right. I'm not playing basketball. Like. He's like, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I do remember when you said, um, I remember, I forget what year it was, but I remember you specifically <laughs> saying, like, you, you kind of called it quits on basketball. And um, I remember honestly thinking that was kind of weird. I didn't even, you know, because we were good friends, but I know over the years, it's like, you know, you get really, really close and sometimes you have different classes. So then you go away. And then sometimes you got closes that are right or classes that are right next to each other. Then you come back. And I remember being shocked when you said that, basketball was over that it was going to be football 100 i almost didn't believe you yeah i mean it's like it's hard because like a bunch of my closest friends were all hoopers like brett uh uh hamer zach like all my dogs are hoopers but like it's, it's a couple things number one it's uh i was better at football there's no question about that <laughs> like i pretty much won like every award that i could foster in the area for that basketball like that's a pretty uh genetic sport if I had to be honest, and there's not many spots. There's like 12 people on a roster. So, like, scholarship numbers are way low from that mm. standpoint. Um, uh, football was also, like, I was a big physical kid. I just knew it was going to be better for me. So, at, there comes a point, which is unfortunate, unless you're, like, an insane two-sport athlete where you just got to kind of choose a path because when you get to colleges, they don't let you kind of do both of those things. You got to, like, kind of declare your side. It's not half and half. So, by that time, like a couple people told me, like, yo, you can't, like, nah, you gotta pick one dog. Like, that's that's not that's not how this thing works. So, and at the time, like, all the letters were for football. My D one letters were for football. Uh, basketball was like a couple D three, couple D three schools said I could play both. Um, but uh, the money wasn't adding up to complete other schools. So, uh, but you you kind of do, and that's another part of it. You go the process. It's like it's great for kids to play a bunch of sports as you grow up because you got to figure out like what you're really good at. Some people are late bloomers. They grow up late. Some people at puberty, weird ages. But, like, it comes a point where maybe, like, midway through high school or, like, sophomore year, 
you got to kind of be like, all right, this is where I'm going to really hone and kind of get into my craft. So that's kind of what I did. And I just said, yo, I'm going to go this route, play football, which I think ended up working out for me. Um, and also, like, my knees, I had, I mean, I mean you, you, you might have bad knees too. Um, yeah, my knees yeah, are like, I, garbage. Yeah, like, <laughs> I remember I went to the, the, the Yale camp, actually, that's what it was. And it was the weekend. And yeah, it just came from, like, Princeton football camp. And I was, like, out of my mind. Man. I didn't even know how I played this a lot of basketball. Where, like, the coaches were coming over, like, yo, who the hell is this kid? And, like, it was a weekend. I played, like, seven games. By that sixth game, like, my knee, I was, like, had my knees up. I was icing. I, I was, like, this is, this is terrible. Like, I can't. And this was this high game. school? Yeah, like my like right before my senior year, that Oscar started disease, and um, I remember I was like, yo, I was killing it. Like the first day, I was killing it. Like the next day, I was killing it again. I think I I beat there. They had a scholarship athlete coming already. I beat him in the one on one tournament. But like by that Sunday, like from the jumping and like I play a pretty explosive game too. I'm not a finesse guy. Like my knees were like shot, and I was like, I can't maintain this at all. This is probably better if I don't play this. It's kind of hilarious though to hear you say you were worried about your body. Meanwhile, you were about to go play D1 football. That, that, we'll oh, we'll yeah. get there. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> you know, something you um you said that stood out. And again, I'm going with the theme of there really is no strict agenda here, but I'm enjoying the conversation and it's making me think of a lot of different things. Huh, you know, yeah, just a bit of bro. <laughs> one of the things you said um, is, is interesting, but it's so true. And I feel like as a youth, many of us, don't realize how serious it really is but you know going to those camps for me it was lacrosse I was constantly in Hampshire and Vermont all over the place Syracuse for all these different you know random travel tournaments and the thing about travel as you know especially now is travel is never free you know the parents are paying for every single thing the hotel the travel the jerseys and you know, it makes me think how fortunate we really were to grow up how we yep. did and where we did and our family and our parents and our friends, all of our friends played sports and stuff like that. And, you know, it makes me think about the kids who don't have that type of opportunity. You know, I don't even really know how to speak to it because I haven't lived it. But I guess when I hear you talk about, you know, just those types of opportunities, it makes me kind of sad for folks who won't have that any thoughts there have you ever had any opportunity to interact with some of the um at-risk youth in, in these types of situations yeah like I, like that's that's exactly it, as i get older every i get older it like becomes more prevalent to me that like like thank god my parents were able to like send me these places and not only that like for instance like there's one camp that i went to um and even like for like my boy booker like Sometimes those opportunities might not have been that, but like, and even like for myself, there was a one, one camp we went to was a blue chip Academy. And I think my parents had to do something really couldn't bring me whatever, but like I had another teammate, which was Malamud who like he wanted to go. So like we all carpooled and went to that and I had access like an extra body to do that. And that was like the camp that kind of like set it all off for me. And like, if I didn't go to that camp, like, I don't know if anybody would have seen me or Booker, but like that was kind of the camp where it's kind of like, oh, shit, okay, we are, we're going to get offers next week. There's no doubt about it. And so yeah. those people who don't have that, like, if you some kids that are good enough and people see it, they'll, like, help them out immensely, and there's different programs of them out. But, like, there's other kids who never really did or won't take it seriously. It could have been great because they already know in their head 
yo, I can't ask my mom or my dad for 300 bucks to like even go to this camp, let alone get there. And those kids are the ones that get lost and it sucks. And I hope there's more programs to kind of help that up. But like, it, 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 that's another part of it. Like everybody can't go. Which is yeah. Benny. Uh, but like, it's, it, you either got help or you don't, you got to ask for help or, or some people can't, but there's a huge gap of that, that just lets it go in the inner cities, different programs. And, uh, and some kids don't even get a chance to play football cause, or lacrosse or hockey or any of that stuff because those are expensive sports. If you need to get equipment um, uh, for, like, anything cleats, like shoulder pads, like some schools can't afford it. Some kids don't have enough kids to play nowadays football because of all the studies and stuff. Like, I see so many teams. Like, Pop Warner is, like, dying uh, yeah. from that standpoint because kids just – all the head stuff, all the CT stuff, like, parents don't want their kids playing. So, the youth football will be – less and less less and uh it, it does suck but sometimes man it's just the way the, the way the way life works and i, I, I know it is it's, it's crazy yeah. because i'm you know i'm full-blown competitor you know so is my wife jess and i i hear yeah, you and, and agree with the like not everyone can make it but it's also so crazy as you look back over the years how much pressure how political, how intense it really was. When you were, um, I don't know, talk to me a little bit about the years right before going to UAlbany. Was, were those years of intense pressure? I know we don't like to talk about, you know, our our last game senior year. Was, was that, I mean talk to me about it though the mindset of a, a high school athlete about to go play in college was it a situation where you know we never really went down this path how how messed up were you from that were, were you like okay we're moving on we're going to college next year and we're about to go win three rings or was it like i just i just let the whole town down and uh i don't know what to do with myself what was the mindset um uh so basically, for those of you who don't know, I, in the championship game, last drive, I fumbled and we lost the game, uh, which against LaSalle, which was my friend. And trust me, I lived that down. My roommate was on that team, and he even hung a picture up on my door, maybe one of the early weeks of me, like, sitting down by myself watching the scoreboard as we lost the game because he thought it was hilarious. Uh, but shout out, Baz. That was not funny. But uh, I am, at the time, man, like as a kid, like, yeah, that, that like, sucked me. Like, wow, and I can't believe that. First of all, we got that far, and I, I never really knew how good I was at football until, like, other college coaches told me. Like, I was, it was like, that It good. was really fun as a fan and as your guys' friend. You <laughs> yeah. were booked specifically. It was fun to watch. Like, that was a great time to be, you know, a Gilderland and, football fan. And that's, that's the thing I, like, lean on is that, like, I know that, Obviously, the season didn't end the way it did. Like, it doesn't matter. But I don't even know if we really – we had expectations, but we kind of came through on a lot of that, and we made it all the way there. Uh, I everything. And I think also the big thing about it, which I try to remember, is it was a big uh, out of ball for the entire program. And they started taking football seriously, and they've done a lot better and invested more into it. And all you can do sometimes, man, unfortunately it sucks, like, is if you can leave the place better than when you got there or make an impact that actually matters, then, like, that's kind of all you hope for in life. No one's really going to – the people that we grew up with will remember that game. Maybe some older people remember that game. But, like, I I, I know with people, like, when I say my name around the, the, the hood, around the neighborhood, around Gilliland, 
like it still kind of echoes which is like fun that's cool that's great obviously you wish there was more but uh <laughs> moving on to the next when, when you go to like college like that was like weird because i was like the first full scholarship athlete for the program at the time which was pressure and i wanted to play quarterback which was pressure and a lot of other schools were offering me different for safety uh for another for other scholarships but i just wanted to play offense so I like when you get on campus, man, my whole, I, it didn't even matter what I did in high school, which I think was the cool part about it. It's like everyone's trying to fight for a start. Everyone's trying to get on the field, man. Yeah. And like everyone's from across the country. And like, I remember as a freshman, like, watching those first games as a freshman, like, traveling, I was like, wow, I hope, like, I imagine I could play, like, in one of these games. I just wanted to get on the field, dog. Like, yeah. I was thinking about being a starter. I'm like, can I play here? And like, people get cut, people get all this stuff. And then, Sure enough, you just do what you need to do and take care of your business and perform. And then by the time, like, it was my time to go to college, it was, we were ready to go, man. And I was, but I wasn't even thinking about high school, man. I was like, with all my boys, you know what? A bunch of those other dudes had way difficult stories. Like, kids that I came in a freshman, they don't even, their team lost state championships or they won state championships. Some kids never made the playoffs. Some kids, like, they got, they don't have their parents, like, uh, they they don't have they don't have any money for food or anything like everyone's story is so different in college that my shit didn't even matter to be honest it was just what do you do now how do you get on the field now and um only people that brought shit up were at the game but man nowadays man I walk down the street nobody knows about that shit <laughs> you know it's just <laughs> me just hey you play football but like rarely Matt Roth brings it up to me every now and then at the camp. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, and then here I am. Here, I am, here I am bringing it up, but it's just uh, it's, I'm not, it's, fine, bro. It's, a, it's an important part of my story. So, like, well, it's also cool. Just you know, being I've just been there, which is cool. You know, yeah. it's been cool to be a part of the friendship. It's been cool to be a part of the journey. I feel like you know, you book and I, for whatever reason, the last. 15 i don't know maybe 20 years however long it's yeah. wow 20 years 20 That's years crazy bro <laughs> You've been just yeah doing this for 20 wow. years so for me it's cool to even do this and kind of recap it we're getting close to eight so i gotta bring us out of memory lane and yeah pers- whatever dog i'm here <laughs> the person i want to speak to or the people um you know a lot of i would say youth find themselves attached to sports sport we all love sports and you go through your young years playing some you know some travel leagues get to high school it gets more serious you make varsity now you're looking at college now you took this exact path and you even got to do a little stint in the nfl but then things changed and you went to a full-time career that wasn't full-time athletics per se talk to me about that mindset and that transition and what i'm getting at there is you know i even know some folks right now some kids in college that you know i worry what happens if they don't make it to the big leagues like their expectations are telling them they're gonna what happens to you know just your overall mindset and that situation is the transition easy do you have to prepare yourself for it what was it like for you uh i mean oh god it's a for me like after the whole nfl thing was done like and for a lot of guys like that fringe guys or who didn't make it it can be it can be really dark bro like you don't 
you never, they always tell you it's going to end. But, like, until, like, I really told me, yo, this is the last game of the season, your last days of college, and you just don't believe it's going to end. And then it ends, you're like, oh, my God. Like, I got to kind of think about shit. I was, I got lucky, to be honest, man, that I fell into this career. Obviously, I, I like, I sent an email to Matt. I remember I sent an email to Matt just being like, yo, can I work with you? And, like, if I never sent that email, I don't know, but I took a shot. I did two internships. One was with Harrison Star in Manhattan. That's a marketing pharmaceutical company. Uh, and the president of the company played at UAlbany. And then I did an internship with the Yes Network, which was out of Stanford, Connecticut, and that was production. I go to Manhattan every now and then. But that was wild as well because it was just, like, kind of learning about how the whole production of the baseball side goes. And I did that for one summer. And both jobs, I was like, I can't do this for my life. I can't just do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I knew right away, I'm like, yo, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. But, like, yeah, baseball is fun. But, like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't know. And luckily, I found and fell into this, which happens with a lot of people sometimes. You fall into something. But, it like, I look back and I tell myself all my traits, my natural qualities and traits, everything is perfect for what I do. Like, absolutely perfect. And that's why I actually love what I do. And that's why we're, like, so damn good. Because people say, like, I kind of like to lie with people like it's uh it's not work if you um you never work a day in your life if you do what you love and, and yeah. that's never really true like <laughs> that doesn't make <laughs> like you're always working and you hope that you can just find a job that you like but no it, it's work still uh but I I got lucky for that but like for some of my guys who were there man and like football ended they had no path because all they knew was I'm gonna be a trained weapon for 20 years. And that's all they think about, and they never prepare for that stuff. So it, like, can be very alarming and very, very uh, surprising for a lot of those guys, which ends up being in, like, terrible, terrible stories, dude. Like, yo, my backup running back that I've at you all of me, he's dead. Like, he died at 28 or 29. I forgot Booker sent me the article because he just got down the wrong path, man. And, like, I couldn't even believe it. Booker sent me the article, like, yo, you see this? And I'm like, I didn't even like know that. that. That's I a, didn't know that. I know, bro. It's like it's a small microcosm, and this is just also football culture as well, which is very barbaric. And you're just being cheered for your entire lives. Everything's pushed to the side. Every mistake you make, people overlook it. It doesn't matter. And I've been down that path too, where yeah. like no one really does anything. But then once the people stop cheering, once the cameras are off, once somebody else is doing something that you did, and nobody cares anymore. That's a dark, lonely place, man. And that's, if you're that's ill-prepared. Think, you know, yeah. I think we, uh, um, I feel like as a society, we might miss a little bit there. You know, oh, I'm no. all for pushing the youth and I'm all for, yeah. you know, super athletes. And it's so cool to watch the process and we all love the games. But I think, and, and I've never been in this, that super athlete environment like you guys have, but I think a part of it, it really should be messaging the other uses of everything you learn, where you can apply discipline and commitment and determination and competition and not to just set your brain up to think that this is the only thing I could possibly do. And if I don't do this, what am I going to do with my life? Because like you said, I think that can lead to some really, really dark places, especially for people that aren't like you that, you know, branched out that have a good network, come from a good place. It's not that easy to just be like, oh, wow, I've only thought about this ball 
for the last 25 years of my life. And now today it's over and I'm supposed to go what? Go get a, a corporate job and and talk business. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty crazy that we don't set athletes up for better success there, I think. And, and man, it's, I like, I <laughs> I wish I could put it on one part of society on the other, but like they, they, they try to tell you, man, they like my coaches, like in college, they try to tell you, man, like, like coach four, like I remember one semester I did really bad at school. <laughs> I just wasn't really focused at all. And I remember him being like, like, dog, like you can do anything you want. Like he brought me to the top of the, the top of the athletic building on the roof where he usually had his cigars. <laughs> he was like, yo, you can do anything you want. And you're out here just like spoiling an opportunity. And you, you like, you hear it, but you don't hear it, man. And like they have programs and, the, and they have class checks. But, like, you're just so blinded and, like, drugged by the attention and the light that, like, yeah. you're like, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. You know, as long as I get two tutties, 100 yards, I'm good. <laughs> I get this interception, we win, God, I'm good. And, like, and that's at you, Albany, dog. Like, I know. Like, I, I, know. I know it's a D1 program, like, and I'm I'm very fortunate. I played it, like, a pretty good one. There, but, like, now, like, put that in, like, Bama or, like, USC or, like, Oregon, like, where those – people are just paying you like serious amount of money and people as a tradition, like that's a, you're just, you're, you don't, you don't hear anything, bro. All you do is yo lift, run, tackle, score, like, and they try to do it. And the NFL is great programs too, man. When you're in those days, they really have so many media things you can do. They give you access to anything, the NFL PA, they try to help you out, dude. They've got so much better throughout all that. And they, they've worked on it through every collective bargaining agreement. And the vet players will tell you too, like, Yo, you got like look out for this, look out for that. Like they try to set you up, man. Some people get it, some people don't. It's huh. just like the same before. Everybody can't go, but uh, but it is alarming. They they try, but it, it it falls a lot on the person too, man. It falls on person and their upbringing, and their upbringing. I could see that, and um, that naturally brings us to the next topic. But one thing I'll kind of round off the last thing you just said there is, you know, I spent a lot of my time in the corporate environment. Big, yeah, big, yeah. you know, Fortune 500 companies. And one thing I will say, every time I'm in a boardroom and I look at who is in charge, most times they were some type of athlete. And most mm-hmm. times they were big programs. And I yeah. I don't know what the specific correlation is. I don't think I've ever even asked, but, you know, I kind of think as we're just talking about it, it is those things I mentioned. It's that commitment. It's that dedication. It's that drive. It's that team mentality. It's that killer mentality that probably pushes athletes like yourself to that next elite level. And, you know, like you said, I'm sure it's on the person, but I can say this, you know, to whoever's listening, that there is definitely a market out there for those converted athletes to take positions of power and drive <laughs> drive that same mindset um, in a business fashion. So that being yeah, said, okay. two more topics, La- two more. We got NIL and then we've got kind of just what's it? What are we in our 30s with diet, exercise and injury? So I'll get 10 more minutes tops. But um, yeah, bro. This Man, NIL, NIL thing, it's funny because I remember, you know, watching college sports and always saying, why don't they get paid? It's stupid. They can't get paid. I don't care that this person, Reggie Bush, got $1,000 and a tattoo or whatever. I don't care. Let the boy play. Let him have his Heisman. I don't care. So here we are in 2024, and now these kids got, I was at um 
I was at the buff in Boulder about a month ago and Shadir's oh, yeah. Shadir's freaking, I don't know if it's a Cleon or a Phantom, but whatever it is, his $400,000 car is parked outside the breakfast spot. And I'm just like, wow, these kids are living. What do you think? Is this good for them or is this bad for them? Or maybe it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both, uh, without a doubt. And what this comes back to what we've done before, it depends on the person and it depends on their network. Um, <laughs> I think there should I think there should be some kind of – it's like the Wild Wild West right now, which is a big yeah. part of why I do. Although you brought up Reggie Bush. I don't like the way you're talking about Nick Saban because that's my dog. But uh, <laughs> it's like there's no more – there won't be any more control <clears throat> over everything. The one thing that was different with the NFL – is that I remember, like, Mario Williams was really great. Um, DN for the Bills uh, and Texans. He, he signed about two different $100 million contracts. Um, wow. His attitude was, like, absolutely terrible, too. I don't even care saying that. Uh, totally different dude. Huge genetic freak. But, um, and, like, there was a point where, like, he, they, he can basically do whatever he wants because he became more than the team. And, like, the NFL players will run, or any professional players will run that program because they are the most important asset and they get paid to do so because it's more of an investment. So if he doesn't want to practice hard, then what are you going to say? It doesn't matter. There's not many people that can do what he does. So uh, you let him off the hook. For college, like these kids are young. They probably have no financial literacy, which is alarming. I wish they could put their money away in escrow or some of it, at least a percentage. Uh, but like now it's great that they get paid because they should get paid because some of these kids, this is the only time they'll get paid for this because they won't make it to the league. So they might as well profit on that. Like, Tebow would have been like a hundred million dollars. He would have hundred million dollars. I just can't imagine being twenty and someone hands you a check for a mill. I gotta be honest, at twenty, I I would be a really bad person. Yeah, of course, and like I understand that completely. Like I always give Justin Bieber credit because people give him flack for like imagine you were like twelve years old and then you could like do whatever you want. I'm surprised. Like I'd be dead or in jail for sure. So like (laughs) those 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 different guys. Like I completely understand that. I just wish there was some kind of like limit or some cap on things. But the other part about it is that now like the, um, you can just bounce team to team, uh, which is the fun, which is the thing that kind of is what I don't like the most about it. Uh, I'm happy the kids can, but now like you can just leave and go a different team every year. If you want, whoever's got the money, you can leave, which I think takes a little bit of the um, sacredness out of uh, the NCAA. But I, I think it's a dangerous slippery slope. It's only going to get worse. And I get it. Cause like, the schools are paying these kids. It's more or less a collective or random donors who got bags are going to be throwing cash at you, which is awesome for the kids. I just think that it might just mess up the product a little bit. Um, but I also think that there's going to be a point too, where their big time, the big time college football programs will completely separate from the NCAA and they'll just basically need, they'll basically have their own league, which will like, do obviously well. Yeah. I never even heard this take- theory. Yeah, man, they're going to take, but yo, the SEC, uh, the Big Ten, um, they might just have like a couple, like probably maybe four leagues, like 60 teams. They might be just 60 college programs, and they just completely are just like, bye, NCAA. We're going to have our own TV network, we have our own league, all this stuff. They might work with the college, they might not. The brand's all you really need uh, yeah. for that to happen. People like to see Alabama, LSU, or, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, but like, they don't need the NCAA anymore. Like, the numbers, te- like, say it. The TV numbers are insane, stupid. No one cares. I, <laughs> um, I want them to get paid. I think they should. I don't think these colleges should make as much money as they do on, you nope. know, the names of on people's backs, literally, and they're not getting paid for it. But I just, 
I don't think, I mean, we've already seen this story before with NFL players, NBA players, and they're adults. It's like, there's no good way, I don't think, to pay these kids as much money as they get paid and for them in in the majority of the situations to turn out okay. Like, I just, yep. I think that will yep. be scary. And um, I think it'll well, be very I mean, interesting to watch how this how this goes over the next 10 years. It's, it's crazy, but, like, the kids are worth that. And I, like, because for what they do for the university, like, in terms oh, yeah. of the money they bring, they're like they're absolutely worth it and like i never want someone not to get paid what they're worth i just it's just you're 20 you're 19 you don't know shit about shit and you think you do because you got all this money but like there's so many different traps out there people leech onto you man you're broke before you know it they take advantage of you uh it's just it's it's gonna be there's gonna be weird things that happen and then i watched i watched one the other day he was uh I watched uh, one the other day. I was watching ESPN. I don't know who it was. They were doing one of those little, you know, quick documentaries. And um, the guy was talking about his rookie check. He got $2 million, And he said in the blink of an eye, he was down to his last 100000 He bought his mama house yep. cash. He bought his dad a car cash. And it's like you... Two million is two million, but not if you spend three million, you know? It's like... But nope. you, you nope. can't possibly know that until you've dealt with some finances. So, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, there's so many different ways to do it, dude. There's, like, there's different things. Like, some guys got to figure it out. Like, even Drake. Like, I, I saw he, like, doesn't even pay for his – he took a loan out to buy his house and then took that money and, like, put it in, like, a consistent thing that'll roll over. He'll end up making money by the time it's, like, done. And he didn't even spend his own money to do it, which is, like, some kind of way to make that happen. You don't even know it. But I'll, I'll say this last thing. Something tragic will happen with these kids. There's going to be something bad, and you have it could be five years now, it could be 10 years now. It could be a fighting ring. It could be a big-time drug ring. It could be a, a, someone's going to die, but there'll be something very tragic that happens that will kind of make everybody be like, we need to put, like, certain restrictions on this. It'll be some, like, absolute tragic thing. I don't even know what it is, but some kids at some school get involved in something that will they wouldn't have been able to do if they didn't have a lot of money and – then everyone's going to be like, okay, we need to bring this back. And I hope everyone's fine. Hope it's like something like just a scam, but I don't know. That's how I feel. Yeah, no, I could, I could see it too. Well, yeah. we're getting close to the end here. And the final thing I want to talk about, even though I know you and I could go about this all day for hours. So this is what we do when we talk. <laughs> anything. Um, You know, we talked today about, youth athletics we talked about elite athletics up to the d1 nfl level and just the journey of almost you know the journey of a person through those stages now you know here we are both in our 30s and where i want to end um i think you're a good candidate to speak on this you know you've made your way out of full-time athletics now you're into the career world career professional in terms of maintaining your health over the last few years, tell me a little bit about what goes into it. I'll, you know, for those who don't know you, I'll speak for you. You know, you're obviously an in shape dude. However, you've had some, you've had some injuries. You, you know, you try to dunk and warm ups and ripped your leg off <laughs> your, your bone <laughs> and a couple other ones. So uh, tell me, tell me a little bit about 
what's that's been like for you and what the process is to maintain going forward? Yeah, so for me, um, honestly, I'm, I'm very fortunate that the job I have keeps me moving. Like, I will take it in a crazy amount of steps a day uh, because that's just, I, that's my profession. And honestly, if I didn't have one profession, I'm not entirely sure how I would manage or maneuver. But I think the biggest thing for a lot of uh, people around our age and like that 30-ish range where like you're basically your metabolism and what it was, you can't move like you used to move, you gotta watch what you eat is you, you, you have to at least move your body. That's number one, because that's not only good for you to maintain like a good weight and just kind of just move and burn some calories, but it's also great for your mobility and just years down the line, like moving your body. If you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, and whatever that is for you and whatever works for you, and you can keep a consistent routine, that's kind of the biggest thing. Like as much as I want to be here and tell you, which I do believe very strongly that metabolic is the best workout for all ages. Um, I also know that for some people, it might not be for them. Uh, maybe it's hot yoga. Um, maybe it's running. Maybe it's basketball every now and then. You know, I think you need to you need to find a physical routine that you can maintain. If you can't maintain it, it's useless, completely yeah. useless. And that's the same thing with dieting. Um, the thing with dieting is like crazy. It's it's human nature. Everybody wants everything right now. Yeah. Like I want this now, I want that now, and like it's it, that's not how shit works. Kinda, and it's it's hard to do that because if you do take that approach of the I want it now, you'll probably take the most extreme diet path you possibly can to get what you want as fast as you can. But most likely, it's not sustainable. Like, those never are. Those fad diets are not sustainable. They never are, man. And you might honestly achieve what you want to achieve in that short time, but that's it. You're going to touch the sun, and then within a couple of weeks, you just can't maintain that. So that's, that's the same. They go hand in hand, man. Eating is more important, honestly, than moving your body, but you need one without the other. You, but you need mm -hmm. both to work and coexist together. But you just have to figure out, just look, take a deep look inside yourself, like, hey, what do I what do I? Working out's never fun. Unless, like, sometimes you find it's never fun, but working out is it, it's it's work. It's working out. So, yeah. but you got to find something that you can maintain. And if you can't, then it's useless. So that's probably my best advice is buy some things, see what it is, and see how long. Like right now, in my my current state, and I'm kind of watching what I eat and just making sure they're they're one ingredient wholesome foods. And I I make it fun. Pinterest is great. I love that to find some things. My wife is she does all the cooking anyway. I'm not gonna act like I'm. Uh, shout out here, but uh, but like that's to make it fun. To make it's like happen. you, you cook. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I, like, I had to take a beat and be like, well, hold on, Drew. <laughs> so, I'll get back. Uh, yeah, um, but that's the big thing. Consistency. Um, for for people, and I will speak because you spoke on it. People, I'm 33 years old, going on 34, and I am getting out of that realm where I I'm not old, but I'm definitely not 21. So. Yeah, uh, extreme, extreme moving things. You just mentally sometimes like the body is the body. It is science. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But as you get older, things don't work the way they used to. And you become more susceptible to injury. And um, explosive things are tough. So you kind of have to work, watch out for that. Because even my boy, my older, my, one of my big brothers was just like, you know, you were riding that line at 33, 32, where you think you're still 21. And you're doing physical stuff that that you just can't do, the body just won't allow you to do. So safe is number one, sustainable is number two for both eating uh, and uh, working out. And uh, also just 
trying to make sure you move your body. Step counts are always great for those, especially people, which most people are, can sit at a desk all day um, and they work. And that, that's, that's hard because you have to work and sit at a desk. But you, during lunch, you can get out, move your body, walk a little bit after work, you know, before work. Uh, I like to work out before people wake up. That helps me out uh, before any shit hits the fan or anything starts. I just kind of get it in, which a lot of military people are good at, at 5 a.m. window which yeah. Dan loves so much. Um, I, don't, yeah. I don't. I sleep late every day. I'm not a big alarm clock guy. I don't usually set an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. You are one of a kind. Um, But uh, yeah, so basically it's consistency, whatever you can maintain, but watch your, watch what you eat, man. That's the big thing. I know Maybe that one I think is, is so straightforward. I am not, when I was in Colorado, I did a stand of every Monday through Thursday, I would only eat whole foods, nothing. And I would try to limit yeah. carbs. I was basically, it was paleo. It was a fad diet and it did work. It gave extreme results, extremely fast. But after like, you know, maybe a year of doing that, I'm like, this is miserable. I want nothing to do yeah. with this anymore. I don't want to eat like this. I want to eat whatever I want. So what I try to do now and my by no means like some picture of health, but I've got to a weight where I feel comfortable. I feel confident. And um, the biggest thing is just not eating garbage all of the time, not yep. eating fast food, just just cooks a lot also. And, you know, if I can't come up with something to eat for lunch, I'll have like something simple, like a peanut butter and jelly and call it a day. Um, and mm -hmm. that's that seemed to have worked. Whereas in the past, before I moved to Colorado, I was like, Stewart's breakfast sandwich for breakfast, McDonald's oh, for lunch, pizza. Oh. Yeah, it was gross. <laughs> well, sir, we did it. We came yeah. across the uh, technical difficulties. We take took a walk down memory lane, and um, we rounded we it did, out. How being thirty sucks. I know, man. I could have gone so much longer for sure, dude. We can talk all day. It's crazy. It's even been an hour, but yeah, thirty, thirty of them. Listen, 30 is different. Uh, <laughs> I had this one comedian be like, yo, 20s, you're down to do whatever. 30s, you're kind of like, okay, where are we going? I don't yeah. know. And <laughs> like, what time? What time? Yeah. <laughs> and then 40s, like, yo, I'm not going. <laughs> Jess's so, aunt texted us the like? other day, and she said, um, she was like, hey, do you, do you want me to, oh, my services are available. I'll come over and watch Bella. And Jess looked at me like, do you want to go out? And I'm like, I'm totally in, but if we can go out at four, otherwise I don't yes. want to go out. Oh my God, that's the best time. That is the best. Yo, yeah, you go out drinking. at four, have some fun, and then you get to go home and go to sleep. Oh my God, and get like a good dinner. You're like, yeah. feeling, you're like yo, let me, yo, let's, let's think of some, yo, that's the best, bro. That is, yeah, that's where we're at. That's where our life is, man. Like before we were 20, it used to be like, yo, come over. Yeah. Like, word, boom. <laughs> let's get into some shit. Now it's just, all right, see the strategic uh, plan. Uh, waking up's hard, man. And alcohol is different. It's yeah, well, I mean, different. wake up at sure. three in the morning every day. So there's that. Yeah, that's true. Responsibilities, my brother. That's it. But I'm also right. in bed, like weird early times, too. No, well, brother, I'm gonna let you get back to your family. I'm gonna, I hear mine waking up, make some breakfast. Yeah, mine just woke up too. Kyle <laughs> Maverick, Marley, China, the whole Smith clan. I said hello, send my love, send my love to your parents too. No. And um, thank you for doing this. No problem. Yo, tell your family, tell Jess's family, tell everybody what's up, dog. I know I'm gonna see you real soon. Maverick's yeah, gonna have a birthday party soon, so. Yeah, I'll send out that invite. <laughs> Perfect. I look forward to seeing you there, sir.